Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. We're going to continue with the theme that we have been doing for a few weeks called Life to Live, and we're looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Just to remind ourselves that St. Paul was writing a letter to a small church in a big, big city of just a few Christians. And in that city, there was lots of things going on. There was lots of religions. There was lots of idols. There was lots of commerce and various things. And in this was this little tiny group of people that Paul felt he should write to them. And he wrote this letter called Ephesians. It's made up of six chapters. And he did it primarily because he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to strengthen them as Christians. But he also wanted to remind them of who they were and the plan that God had for them. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, as we've done chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verse 1 to 10. And this is to the church. As for you, church, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in work, at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. I love that. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's great. And I want to talk about that in a few minutes. I've got four points I think I want to make today on this. One is God loves us. Two, God rescues us, and he rescues us for a plan and a purpose. And four is, are we willing to be rescued? So the title of today's message and this little passage that I'm going to talk about is that God rescues. And when I was thinking about it at the time, I thought, boy, do we need to be rescued today? So I thought this was very, very appropriate. One of the other favourite verses I have in Scripture is John 3.16 in the Gospels, where it says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. For God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved us, and he goes on loving us, and he goes on loving us, he loved us so much that he sent his son to pay a price for us so that we wouldn't perish. And if you want the connotations of the word perish is that we need to be rescued lest we perish. 
but he didn't want that for us. He wanted more for us. And I want to say this about God's love. God always was looking for a people of his own. And I kind of thought to myself today, I just don't want to just talk about church because there may be some people out there that maybe you're not a Christian or you've just been invited or you've just come along to have a look. This is for you. If you're a human being at all, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, God loves you and you're very, very important to him. Going back to what I was saying, God always wanted to have a people of his own. He created Adam and Eve. And I just love the story of Adam and Eve. He created them to be together and to have that loving relationship. And he put them in a wonderful garden with all the animals and fruits and all the things and they tilled the ground. But each day, God, and I want to say, I want you to think about God in the person of Jesus because Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everything, it said, was made through him. So I just take it that what he meant here was that Jesus came in the cool of the day and he sat down with Adam and Eve. What did he do when he sat down with them? He had a chat. He talked to them. Perhaps he spoke about what the day was like for them. Perhaps he spoke about what he's got planned for them. Or perhaps he just sat and wanted to be with them. He enjoyed being with them and they enjoyed being with him. I'm sure that when Jesus, after the cool of the day, walked away, Adam and Eve said, wow, wasn't that wonderful to sit with our Lord, with our Jesus, and just to be able to have his presence and the things he spoke to us about and the things he taught us. Oh, wow, it was amazing. God is relational. Something we need to think of. Often we think of God at the other end of the universe. Not the God that I know. God is relational. And he always, always, always has been seeking to have a relationship with the people that created. Early in the Old Testament, it speaks of God looked upon the world and he saw a man called Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, if you will be my child, if you will serve me and follow me, I'll make you the father of many nations. Now, I don't know why God picked Abraham. Perhaps because he looked about the rest of the world and he thought maybe Abraham was the only one that was going to be prepared to listen to him. And that proved to be the case. Because God said at one point to Abraham, okay, pack up and go wherever I tell you to go. And it said in the Bible later that Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he was willing to follow God. And God said to him, and I'll make you the father of many nations and um, you'll have the, you know, thousands and millions of descendants and I'll give, them a, a, I'll give them their own land and I'll bless them. And so Abraham followed uh, what God wanted him to do. And it said that Abraham had a son called Isaac. Isaac had two sons called Jacob and Esau. And Jacob became the father of Israel, which is known as the Jewish nation just now. And they look upon Jacob as their father. And God had a people a people in which he dwelt and a people that he wanted to bless and a people that he did bless and gave them so many, many things. Time and time and time again, this wonderful relationship that he had with God, uh, the people, uh, it went and it became very messed up. It disappeared. The people themselves after a while were prospering, doing well. They, were, they knew their God, God knew them. He was blessing them with all the good things that he wanted to give. The relationship was great. They went their own way and everything it became messed up for them. Their enemies defeated them. 
At one point, actually, they were taken into captivity and their beautiful city, their temples in Jerusalem were broken down and smashed. Often as not, they were defeated. They were taken into slavery. They were even slaves in their own country. They were under rulers, but God still loved them. And he loved them so much that he looked upon their plight and he looked upon the rebellion and he looked upon them going their way away from God and even following false gods and false idols. But such is the nature and the loving nature of God, he looked upon them and he saw that they needed rescued and they needed him. And time and time again, he came back to the people of Israel and he rescued them and he saved them and he put them back in the land. And I won't get into too much more, but time and time and time again, God have to come and rescue them. But what I want to say today is this loving God that we have is relational. And we are made in his image. We are made like him and we're relational too. We need this relational or this relationship that we have. And sometimes we look elsewhere for that relationship. But God said, no, I created you to have a relationship with me. And you'll never find the peace or you'll never find what you're looking for unless you get back into relationship with us. And so he has to come and rescue us. Joyce Meyer was talking about, she's a very famous speaker, uh, speaks internationally, primarily to women, but just speaks about many things and speaks about life and how to do life with God. But she said something, I was reading uh, one of the commentaries that she had written on the book of Ephesians and she said this, she said, three of the strongest human desires that we have is to be loved, is to be accepted, and to feel that we belong. Let me say it again, to be loved, to be accepted, and feel that we belong. We want a sense of connection and belonging to someone or to something to be valuable. We want to fit. I want to say this to you just now, and I can say this in my own experience in my own life. We can look elsewhere to try and find all of these wonderful things that are good and helpful to us and where we fit. But there is only one place that you can really fit, and that is with God, because God has put something inside of you that only he can fill, and that is that relationship with God. And if we go our own way and we leave God to the side, then we're never going to find where we fit, we're never going to find the loving relationship that we need and that we, we're never going to feel totally accepted. And we're going to wander through our lives wondering what it's like and what we are exactly we are doing in this world. Trouble is, we think that we know what we need and that God has got it wrong. And so off we go. And if you look at the people of Israel as the analogy of it, that's exactly what they did. When things were going well, that was fine. And then they decided we'll just go our own way and we'll go down this way and we'll not bother with God because we can manage our own lives and everything's fine. And so we go our own way. We do what we want to do. And some of us even have a little bit of God in our life. We don't mind talking about God. We don't mind having a little bit of religion. We might even go to church from time to time. And so we give God lip service, but we don't want God to interfere with our lives. We don't look for that close relationship with God because basically we think it's going to interfere with what we want to do. When I became a Christian, just to say that that was exactly what happened to me, I went from being a churchgoer to being an atheist and to being a Christian. As a churchgoer, I went because I had to go 
I knew stories of the Bible, I knew a lot of things about religion. But I got to a place and I was 16, I thought I won't go to church anymore. And from then till I was 22, I was convinced there was no God. None at all, I feel it was just a story, just somebody made it up and I'd never met God. He'd never done anything for me. Without getting into too much of my story or my testimony, when I was 22, I found Jesus. Or better still, I think he found me. Or even better still, he rescued me. I won't get into all the ins and outs of that. But the moment that I found Jesus Christ was the moment I found where I fitted. I had come home. And he was there and he was in my life. And suddenly all the things that I thought that I knew about, all the things that I wanted to do, all the things that I chased after, all the things that I thought would make the difference, all the things that didn't make any difference at all, I found in Jesus Christ. And he changed my life. So that's me. But where are you? And you're Christian. You might be a Christian today and you're going through some things and you're kind of struggling. You might not be a Christian at all, but you're looking to find out who am I, where do I fit, where am I going? One thing that's crystallized is this in our lives today is this thing called the coronavirus. I think it's safe to say that it's taken the feet away from all of us in some way or another. I work just now with people who've got severe enduring mental health problems. And many of them suffer from anxiety and suffer them from fear and worry and depression and various things. But all I seem to see is when I'm out there with people who don't seem to have this illness on them is exactly the same thing, fear, anxiety, worry. With a defeat taken away from us. And part of that, I think, is because, well, we've been going down a road where we thought we're safe. We know who we are, we know where we fit, we've got our ambitions, we've got our drives, we know what we want out of life, and suddenly the feet's been taken away from us. How's the feet been taken away from you? If you're a student today, you might be feeling as if, wow, yeah, my feet have been taken away. I had it all planned out at uni, and suddenly, am I going back to uni? Am I going back to studies? Is there going to be a job for me at the end of it? I could see my future. You might have a business, and suddenly your business is not doing any business and you're thinking wow I was going to take the world I was going to do this I was going to do that you had a job and you liked your job and suddenly the job's under threat and everything else people who are got the house and what they wanted are suddenly thinking can I pay my mortgage what is life all about with a defeat taken away from us and we look to our leaders what a tough job leaders have got in this world trying to make sense of that. And all you see in them is that they don't know either. They're trying their best. They're giving it their best shot. But the people that perhaps we thought, oh, they might be the people that know what they're doing, we suddenly discover that they don't really know what they're doing. And so you can feel not only that fear, not only that anxiety, but you can feel very, very, very alone. You can feel very vulnerable and you can feel lonely. In chapter 2 and verse 1, and this is where I go into the, the aspect of the good news is, and despite all of these things that are going on, God wants to rescue us, and he wants to rescue us for a purpose. One is, God loves us. But chapter 2 and verse 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And it's quite an interesting verse that as for you, you were dead in your sins. You know, I read something about, um, it was Spurgeon that sort of says, you know, you can be physically alive. You can be mentally alive. You can even have morals. Uh, you can think physically, you can be fit. But spiritually, without Jesus Christ in your life, you're absolutely dead. The second thing is I want to say about this is you can't save yourself. Sometimes we think we can save ourselves. I remember when I was searching for God, looking for God, and thinking, how will I find God? And somebody came to me, and I had tried so many different things, some good that were good for me. What will I do with my life? Other things that were not so good, that weren't the right thing to do. But somebody came along and told me about Jesus, and without getting into it too much, I thought, well, if I'm going to find this Jesus, then I'm going to have to go to church. So I went to church for a, every day for a week. I prayed. I remember that. And the th second thing was I, I, I tried to be good. I thought, well, if I'm going to reach Jesus, I'm going to reach God, then I'm going to have to be good. In total, I think I lasted a fortnight before I ran out of steam. And I just get sick of trying to be good all the time and smiling and being helpful and doing all the things that I thought were good. Also in church, I sat and thought, well, maybe I'll meet God. And I didn't meet God sitting in the church. I did do one thing in the church, which was good. I said to God, if you're real God, then I'm sorry for my sins because I'm not in a good place. And if you're out there, well, I want to put that right straight away. As simple as that. And uh, I searched. Some people out here might be feeling, oh, I'm going to be spiritual. And many people are reaching out to church. And some people are reaching out to other spirituality or some other areas of their life and think to myself, well, my country's not saving me. I don't know what to do about myself. Maybe I'll be spiritual. Well, I want to say this to you is this. The Bible says that you cannot save yourself. You need to be rescued. And the person that rescues you is Jesus Christ. I was thinking about the story and the story I love is, is the idea of being out in a little boat in the middle of the ocean and you're out and you're rowing away and you lose your oars. Not only that, a storm comes up and it sinks the boat and you end up in the sea. The first thing you want to do is save yourself. And so you start to swim and you swim and you swim and you think, oh, maybe I can make it. You look up, it's getting dark and you suddenly think, where's the shore? No sign of the shore, you keep swimming. Well, you know the obvious answer to that. You've only got a certain amount of strength. And that certain amount of strength thinks, I'll get there, I'll get there, and then you run out of strength. I mean, you run out of strength, you just don't have any strength. Maybe gather a little bit more, off you go again. But gradually, you just run out until you've got nothing left. And so you give yourself up to whatever. They call that despair. No strength, no ability. I cannot save myself. And so you're prepared just to say, well, that's what life's about, is that all it? And suddenly, I just love this bit, you hear the sound of the helicopter coming and you think, what is that? And before you know it, there's a big beam of light just landing on you. And then a ladder comes down and then a guy comes down the ladder and he looks at you and he realises, ah, he dives into the water, puts a life jacket on you, grabs a ladder, the ladder up you go and you end up in this helicopter and he says, you're safe, you're rescued. But I want to say to you, it's a bit like that when you come to God. 
I thank God for it because that's where I was at. When I found Jesus, I just didn't, or he found me, or he rescued me, whatever way you want to put it. I was at the end of myself. I just thought, I cannot find an answer to me. I cannot find an answer as to why I'm here. And I had just reached despair, and it was at that moment that Jesus said, yeah, but I'm here to rescue you. Where are you at today? Do you need rescued? I always say this little story a few weeks ago, my wife and I decided we're going out, we went to this little quiet beach and the tide was out, you know what you do, you go and look for crabs under rocks. And we found crabs and they were scuttering away from us and it was great. And then we walked up a bit and it was hot and it was nice and then I saw this good sized crab just sitting on the side of the sand. And I said, oh, look at that crab. And Martha says, it's dead. And I said, no, 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 I don't think it's dead. I think it's just got maybe a little bit of sunstroke or something like that. If I put that in the water, that crab will live. My wife, being more of a realist than me, said, then it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. It isn't going to live. I said, I refuse to do it. So I took the crab and I put it in the water and I stood there and I looked at it and I thought, swim, crab, come on, sure, you're alive. You just needed some water. Well, the water was flapping about it and it was going absolutely nowhere. 15 minutes later, I thought, this crab's dead. That's dead. It couldn't save itself, and I couldn't save it, certainly, because it was gone. That's our spiritual state without Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We cannot save ourselves, guys. We need to be rescued. And you know, the other great thing about it is he doesn't need, Jesus does not need our help to rescue us. He can do it very well by himself. Verse 4 of that same verse, he said this, only God can make us alive. Because of his love for us, he makes us alive, even though that we were dead in sin through Jesus Christ. The other bit I just love is faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. The one thing that we do as people, we love to be able to say, look what I am, look what I've done. We stick out our chest in this world and we think, I can achieve so much. I can achieve anything that I want to do. Well, you can't achieve, achieve salvation. And so we've got nothing to boast about. I do, and will say this to you, and it's happened to me many times. I've had this helicopter come and save me as a Christian. But the first time I was ever in that situation is when I just was so humbled that I had nothing that I could say to God except, here I am, God. In my rags, in my sin, in my trespasses, I recognize I'm dead. But if you're there, come and save me. And that's what he did. But that's what he'd been waiting for. For me not to say, God, I deserve this, or God, I'm not a bad guy, or God, well, you know, I'm quite successful. It was coming saying, God, I need you. And in this world today, guys, we certainly need God because there's nobody out there at this moment in time able to save us. In verse 4, it says, we deserve God's anger. Absolutely, we deserve it. We've went our own way. But like the people of Israel, we've decided which way we're going to go. We deserve his anger. But all we got was his love. The other great thing about that is God rescues us. He rescues us. And he rescues us for a purpose. In chapter one, it spoke about God has a plan. 
And God has a purpose for our life. It's not that I've just rescued you, that's fine, let's just go on with life. He rescues us. And he rescues us for a purpose and for a plan. Do you know, I love that. I love the part where Jeremiah says in the Old Testament, before I was born, God knew me. David says he put me together in my mother's womb, but before God, before I was born, God knew me and he knew the plan that he had for my life. He knew the purpose. Do you know, there's not two of you in this world. There's only one. Sometimes I wish I was Brad Pitt or somebody like that, but no, I'm Dennis McGinnigal, that's who I am. And you're you, and you are wonderfully and fearfully made, and God has got a purpose for your life, a plan for your life, but you can only find it when you get together with God. Not only, and this I, I relate to myself, but not only does he come and he rescues us, not only does he come and he takes away our sins, not only does he come and uh, forgive us, not only does he come and love us, but he puts clean clothes on us, white, beautiful clothes. The sins are no longer there. He puts clean clothes on us and he tells us, and I've got a wonderful plan for your life, Dennis. Take my hand. Take my hand. And the great words that have stuck with me all that time has come and follow me. I have a path. I've got a road. I have a plan. And I want to say this to you guys. It's not just about this world. And I want to say that to the Christians and the non-Christians who maybe just are starting off, but the people who've been on the road. This path takes us, and this plan that God has for your life and mine, which is special to us, takes us through this world and takes us into eternity. And that plan he has for us will go on, and it will go on and on. Jesus just didn't come to rescue us from whatever our hang-up is in life. He came to rescue us for a purpose and for a plan. And he has so much to show us. Go back to Adam and Eve. He had so much to show them. But they decided they knew better than God and they went their own way and they ended up out of a beautiful garden and out of a beautiful relationship with God. And they ended up in a quite a difficult world to manage in because they went their own way. Still he loved them and still he sought them. He's great. So... It's God who rescues, and it's God who will continually rescue. Thank God for Jesus. That's all I can say. If ever somebody continually needed rescued for whatever I'm doing, it's Jesus, but he does it, and he loves us. Whatever situation that you might find yourself in today, guys, God can rescue you. If you're feeling down, you're feeling struggling, if you're feeling your faith taking a bit of a bashing just now, if you have no faith at all and you're feeling pretty much in despair, if your bubbles burst in a lot of directions, if your feet taken away from you, the answer is Jesus. I love the wee verse that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's always knocking and always saying, Put your trust in me. When I took your hand, Dennis, I was never going to let it go. And I look back in over 40 years now and I thought, you know, many times I've tried to get myself out of your hands, God, because I just didn't like the road you were taking me. But thank God I stayed with him because I found that the road he was taking me was the good road. It was the best road. It was a wonderful road and he's never failed me. He'll never let me down. Do you need a helicopter? <laughs> do you need a helicopter? Do you need saved? I think we all do. One thing I want to encourage you with is that you're not an accident. 
You're not just somebody that just arrived here, no matter what anybody tells you. You're not random. You're not just wandering the world in front of two billion people and you're just Mr. Nobody. You are somebody. You're not aimless. You're not alone. You're chosen to be a child of God. And Jesus is right there, right with you, and right now. And he's so willing to save you from whatever circumstances you're at. Perhaps you just want to say to God, I need you to take over my life. For you Christians that are listening today, I want to say this to you, be encouraged because God's still got you in the palm of his hand. He looks at you and he looks at his hand and he sees you. You are so very, very important to God. He loves that relationship. He loves to come along and rescue you from whatever circumstances. He loves to see a smile. That's the God that we have. It's amazing. Non-Christian, the opportunity is right here for you to just come as you are. As you are, pouring yourself out to Jesus. You don't need to say fancy prayers. You don't need to say very much, actually. Just God. God, help me. Be willing to turn away from some of the things that you're doing just now. God's not asking you to do huge amounts. God has put gifts and talents and abilities in you. He knows what he's doing with you. He'll lead you in the way you'll go. Just put your trust in him. Put your hand in his. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word today to our hearts, to our lives. Lord, for us Christians, Lord, to have started in this road and found you to be faithful and good and to, for what you've done for us, we give you thanks. And we want to say today, Lord, we're sorry if we lose a bit of faith at times or if we, we lose sight of you a little bit or we feel things aren't working out for us or we're just maybe feeling a little bit frightened, Father. Well, we know, Lord, that you're there to rescue us at every given turn. We can't often rescue ourselves, Lord. Just be with us and help us to see what you want us to do and what you want us to be and help us to put our trust in you. And Lord, I also just pray for all of those who are perhaps just standing at the crossroads of their life just now and saying, I thought I knew which way to go. I thought I wanted to do this, do that, and suddenly I'm standing there and I don't see anything out in front of me except you. You died for us, you paid a price for us, you love us, you know us by name, you've got us written in the palm of your hand, help us to put our hand in yours, Lord. And then we have a saviour that we can walk with, live for, get to know, build a relationship which takes us not only from this world and for what we do in this world, but forever, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.